Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You are listening to the Dope Black Moms podcast. I'm delighted to have Shiku Nagura joining us today on the podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. And you're all the way in Nairobi, which is amazing. I'm over here in Hackney. <laughs> yep, I'm here in Nairobi, Kenya, East Africa. Amazing. So Kenyan author, content creator, and you're just sharing your motherhood journey just eloquently, genuinely, beautifully. What, <laughs> what started this all off for you? Like, what, Why was it important for you to share your journey on motherhood? I think it all started when I got pregnant with my first. So back in 2010, um, I got pregnant with my first and I was living in the U.S. at the time. And I just felt really isolated as a Kenyan living in the U.S. And social media, the Internet became a way for me to connect with people like me, Kenyans living in the U.S., um, Kenyans in Kenya. It just became a way for me to connect with other people. So I started, you know, a blog and that led to a Twitter account, then an Instagram account, a YouTube channel at one point. So I think the need to connect with like-minded people is what started this whole thing. And also like, you know, being a first-time mom or, or becoming pregnant for the first time, it kind of throws you into a world of the unknown. And I think you're just kind of like, feeling around in the dark, just looking for someone to guide you or or someone. (laughs) Just like walking through fog, just any sort of handhold I can grab, any little moment. I know exactly what you mean. Did you feel other women, other mothers just felt seen, felt validated? What was it that people were connected to? Yeah, I think just being very vulnerable, like very honest about my fears, you know, my self-doubt, my insecurities, all of that really resonated with other moms, experienced moms and, you know, fresh, you know, brand new moms like myself. Mm-hmm. I think they really um, connected with my vulnerability. You know, someone said vulnerability is like a superpower. And I think it's being, you know, comfortable enough with yourself to be vulnerable really is is something that helps you connect with other people. So definitely through the comments on the blog and on my page, I get that sense that everyone is looking, everyone is looking to connect to someone else and everyone wants to see themselves in someone else. So I definitely felt that. I totally agree. And just a bit of honesty because it's really hard like mm. it's really hard. I've got two young kids and mm. I think we're led to believe it's all like roses and unicorn and you're going to love every single moment of it. And 
with that messaging, why it's so dangerous is because when you're not loving it, when you're like sitting there crying in the shower, which I often do, it's just like, what's wrong with you? The guilt, the shame, like I should be loving this. I'm grateful to have my children. Many people don't have this opportunity. You know, I'm really Mm -hmm. grateful. And you you kind of think, well, what's wrong with me? So I think Mm -hmm. it's brilliant that you're honest about your fears because it allows others to be honest. You're like, oh, you, you find this scary too. Ah, because so yeah. am I I'm finding it a bit scary I'm finding it a bit overwhelming I don't have all the answers and I think exactly. previously people would just try and kind of breeze over it or kind of put mm-hmm. like an easy breezy smile on it when it's just like no I'm really no. finding this difficult exactly and other people are finding it difficult as well which for me that was so comforting like you know it's okay to to want to hide from your kids it's okay to <laughs> want a day off it's okay to, you know, like, think some parts of childhood suck. Like, totally. You know, Sometimes some I mom. like to stay in the toilet a little bit longer. Like, just have a, yeah. just, just, just like to have a little moment by myself. I just, I know I'm finished. I'm just like, I'm just going to hang out here for a little bit. Just a little exactly. bit of time. Like, I get you just to yeah. gather yourself. Yeah. And I mean, I love when us moms are just open with each other about the struggles. I mean, the good times too. But of course. Just you know, also like this is hard. It's not. It's not easy. It's it's beautiful, but it's not mm. easy. It, it's honestly, I find it so hard. In the day, I work as a talent agent, and I truly feel like when I go to work, mm. it's a break. Like mm-hmm. I truly feel that. I'm like, this is easy. I can do this. That <laughs> yeah. other stuff, that motherhood stuff. That's that's the tricky stuff. It's tricky. It's hard. It's really tricky, really, really tricky. So you have recently released your book, your debut novel. And I just wanted to talk about just the common themes of identity, um, getting in touch with your, what can we call it? Well, yeah, I suppose unpacking our identity, getting in touch with where we are, who we are. um, And I, I suppose I'm trying to say why that, is so important to so important to you and why mm-hmm. it's important um as a mother and and through mm-hmm. your writing mm-hmm. yeah so the main character in Mwikali and the Forbidden Mask my book Mwikali is a girl who has never lived in the country where she was born and so when she moves back home there's various aspects of culture shock mm-hmm. and feeling disconnected from her motherland essentially and why that resonated with me is because I you know I lived away from Kenya for a for a decade so after high school I left for the U.S. and I I was there for 10 years and then I moved back and I moved back with my daughter and so I understand how it feels to kind of feel out of place in your homeland Mm-hmm. Um, to feel like you are sort of letting your people down by not knowing enough about your culture, by not understanding your history well enough. And then uh, my daughter, who is also, you know, when we moved back, she was quite young, but still I could see she wasn't quite like the other kids. And so I feel like in the book, I put a lot of those aspects of this disconnect between our parents' generation, they, like, for example, my parents were raised in the village, 
And so they were very connected with our culture and our history and our tradition. And then when, by the time they had us, they were in the city, um, and then those of us who went away for a while. So we often, this our generation feels like, you know, we could do better. We could do a lot better when it comes to how well we know our language, our history, our culture. And so Mwikali struggles with that a lot in the mm. book. You know, she's mm. coming from the U.S. Um, well, she's lived around the world, but now she's in Kenya. And, and she just feels like out of place. Like she feels like a misfit. She feels like totally. she, that, she should know more. That fear that your black car is going to be revoked. Exactly. Sort of I get you. Very self-conscious and, and a bit um, embarrassed. And, you know, she wants to know more, but she doesn't. And it's not entirely her fault. One of the other kids in the book kind of, kind of writes her heart and is like, you know, there's Google. You could have, you know, if you wanted to, you could have tried. And so I think a lot of us, I, I, at least I know I do, and my daughter definitely does. There's this kind of feeling like, man, we could do better. We could do better mm. when it comes to knowing more about um, our culture and our history mm. and on a practical level is there anything that you do as a mother to cultivate uh, connection to identity is there anything you're actively doing in the house outside of the house or any advice because I mean this this many of us must feel like this whether you were mm. born in one country and grew up another one or just second generation um, from the diaspora this is a common feeling for a lot of us so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. any advice on what you can do to cultivate that that connection Uh, yeah and that knowledge so actually the way this the the way this whole thing started was I pulled my daughter out of um I guess traditional school and I was homeschooling her Mm -hmm. and And what led to that decision well the Kenyan um, education curriculum underwent this overhaul and they introduced a very new system of learning. And unfortunately, my daughter's year were like the guinea pigs for the system. So they were to be the first year to do this new system. And of course, there was, there was like a lot of growing pains. And it wasn't an easy transition, let's just mm-hmm. say that. And in the midst of that kind of disorganization, I was like, okay, I, I, I mean, while they get their act together, let me just um, you know, bring her home because at the time I was a content creator. I mean, I still am. So I could homeschool. Um, so I said, you know what, let me just homeschool her while the schools get their act together and I'll put her back when, when mm. things are kind of stabilized. Well done. That's such a big decision. That's a bold move. <laughs> yeah. I mean, homeschooling is not for everyone. I don't want to say it wasn't easy. At the time, it felt like the only option. It felt yes. like it felt like um, to to not do that would have been you know a disservice because she would come home and and say she's so bored at school they're not learning so when I pulled her out I I came up with a curriculum and it had everything covered math science you know um, grammar literature but when it came to history and culture especially Kenyan history and culture I couldn't find any books that were engaging and informative and that could keep her you know, interested in learning about our culture. And so I spent a lot of time trying to uh, find, in the end, I ended up finding university books 
that were basically oral literature converted to written literature. And then I just kind of told them as stories, which is how, you know, my father and his father and their fathers were told, like, just kind of looking for these library books, which are very hard to find, and then telling them as stories to our kids. And I did that for a while, but then I was like, mm, what about other parents? And so that's how the whole series was born. I wrote a series of short stories and I decided to get them professionally edited. And that led me to Lantana, which led to the book being published. But for all those parents out there who are in the same predicament and they want their kids to you know, learn about their culture and their history, those books do exist. Unfortunately, they're just not at the level, you know, at a childlike level. They're mostly mm. university books. So you will have to kind of tell them as stories. And, you know, African history is very oral, right? It's like our, you know, our literature is oral literature. So um, you will have to kind of tell those stories yourselves to your kids. But they're out there. They are out there. So it's just making that effort to go and find it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and prioritize that yeah and I mean there's also I've seen like lately um, you know cartoons that are coming up I know there's Bino and Fino there's um, you know Tinga Tinga Tales but unfortunately those kind of cater to very young children mm-hmm. um, for my daughter who's 11 like I was I, I keep on saying this because it really frustrated me like my daughter is a very avid reader And so she knows more about Zeus and Poseidon and, you know, these kind of Western legends than she does about Kenyan and African legends, which is so unfortunate because I think they've managed to package their legend, their legends in a way that's so exciting for kids. And it's a missed opportunity for us as Kenyans, as Africans, because we don't do the same. And yet our history is so rich with the same kind of exciting adventures, exciting characters, but we're just, there's not enough of, of, of those stories being told to our kids. And so that's why like my daughter learned about Siokimao from my book. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet she could tell me everything there is to know about, you know, some random Greek God. Mm. Well, it's, it is a missed opportunity and, it, and it's great to see a slight shift in the right direction, just going to obviously take time and more people mm-hmm. putting effort mm-hmm. and prioritizing it. But it's great that, I mean, even this conversation is great that we're talking about it and hopefully bringing more light to it. You mm-hmm. mentioned mm-hmm. earlier about your content creation. I know that's been really obviously big for you. Can you just talk about how you navigated or how you still navigate content creation whilst mothering, whilst parenting, whilst, how (laughs) how do you fit that all in? I think at the heart, I've always been a storyteller. And in particular, I like sharing stories about, like for me, just my typical experience as a Kenyan mother or as a Kenyan. And so my type of content is very organic because I like I like I said, I, I want to I want people to resonate 
with my stories. I want people mm-hmm. to see themselves and to be like, oh yeah, I was thinking about that too. Or, oh yeah, like, you know, I, I've been in that situation as well. So um, when I create content, it's with the view to just tell a story of myself as a Kenyan mom, a modern Kenyan mom living in Nairobi, which is an urban city. And so that type of content comes naturally to me because I'm just telling a story of my life, right? Mm. And um, I feel, you know, sometimes content creation can get a bit, uh, what's the word, like (laughs) flashy and um, very heavy on production. And that's fine. But because my content is is less so, less um, heavily produced and more just everyday moments, I mean, I do my own shooting, I do my own, when I was on YouTube, I did my own editing, everything is just very organic. And so for me, it feels quite easy to navigate because I'm not doing anything outside of the ordinary. I'm just showing people what I'm doing. I'm just giving people an inside look on what I would be doing anyway. You're just letting people in. Exactly. I'm just letting people in. So like, I joke, like, you know, when Sometimes brands will come to me and ask me to influence and I'll tell them like, if you're looking for like heavy transitions and, you know, pounding music, that's, that's, I'm not the one, but if you want like, that's not me. But if you, if you, I mean, if you've seen what I do, then you know, like if, if, if we're a match, I, I'll just let you in to what's already happening in our lives. Hmm. And is there anything you'd want to change about social media? Because as you said, you're doing it obviously very authentically, very natural for you. But does it ever, I don't know, does it ever get you down being in the public eye? Does it ever feel, do you ever feel that weight? When you give people a glimpse of your life, some people, not all, most are very gracious, but some will then feel entitled to all of your life. Mm-hmm. so they feel like you know you have to let them into every aspect if someone was showing up on your page and now they're not showing up they need details if you know you show once more, if, if they see you looking sad they you know want to be a therapist so I feel like sometimes you know people feel entitled to ev- all of you to every single aspect of you and it gets a bit tricky in drawing the line between what's just for me, like what's private and what I'm okay to share. And so, so being clear with those boundaries then. Exactly. And when sometimes you set those boundaries and people are unhappy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and you have to be okay with that. Like, you know, there's some lines I won't cross and that's, Will, you know, it has already cost me certain gigs, certain interviews, certain, you know, opportunities, media opportunities, because, you know, messy stuff sometimes sells. Not sometimes. Messy stuff sells. Yes. So, but it also yeah. costs, doesn't it? It costs us. It costs. And, and, I'm, and, you know, you just, every person who's in the public eye, I guess, has to just make that decision and, and, and you know, what's the line that you're not willing to cross and and stick by it and that's really good that you've you've had that talk with yourself so you know what your boundaries are but Mm -hmm. 
it still stings, doesn't it? It can still, it can still make you feel sad. It can still affect you. So how do you pick yourself up? How do you get yourself out of those, those low seasons? I think at the end of the day, I just have to come back to who I am and, and um, remind myself like the internet is forever. There's things that I may do in the moment because maybe I feel pressured or, you know, it's a fat check. I may do some things in the moment, but like in five years, would I be proud of myself? No. So I have to remind myself that my values are pretty much all I have. And it's not just me. It's like my kids, you know, in in 50 years, they'll be the ones left with all this stuff that I'm doing. So as much as it may hurt, even, you know, financially and, um, you know, emotionally, mentally, career-wise, it might hurt to turn down some things or to say no to some opportunities. I have to think of the bigger picture and I have to think long-term. Like, this may hurt right now, but in five years, I'll be proud of myself for for saying no. Mm, And it's just remembering that when you're in those low moments where it may feel a little bit overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and social media, I mean, it's a beast. Yeah, I left Twitter kind of by force, but also voluntarily. My account was hacked, but I did feel like it was a blessing in disguise. Mm -hmm. Once I, I, um, the account was hacked and I didn't try and get it back. I just felt like that was one platform for me. I felt like it was toxic. I, I, I wasn't mentally doing well on Twitter. Instagram is great. YouTube was fine. But I think you just have to make a call. Like I have some friends who did the opposite. They quit Instagram but stayed on Twitter. But you just have to, you know, self-evaluate. For me, Twitter was was not good for my mental health. And so once my account was hacked, I was fine. Like mm-hmm. it, it was it was almost like a blessing in disguise and I walked away. So mm-hmm. I think you just have to keep checking up on yourself. Not every opportunity is a good opportunity. You know, not every open door is one you should walk through. So just, you know, there'll be bigger and better things. You don't have to say yes to everything and you don't have to be on every platform. That's it. And from your Twitter experience, mm-hmm. have you, is there anything you actively do now to protect your mental health? Because there's so many hats you're holding, so many spaces mm-hmm. that you're juggling with motherhood, with content creation, and, and also being an author. Um, in general, just being a black woman, that's, that's just mm-hmm. painful. You know, that can be painful <laughs> yeah. walking through this world. So I know when I go out for a run and just take mm-hmm. a moment and, and, and have a break, that I come back and I can actively feel I'm a better mother. Mm. I can feel I'm a better parent. Is there anything mm. like that for you that you lean on? Yeah, honestly. I mean, I, I take social media breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, and during those breaks, I mean, like, you know, complete, I'm not going to, like, I put my phone on airplane mode, like I put it away. And I can say, you know, Sunday, I'm just not going to go on there. Um, reading is a huge thing for me. I find that like books are such an escape and it's, it's, uh, it's such a a blessing to be able to just take your mind away from like the chaos of social media and just life in general. So for me, like, I guess 
my running is is my reading and and turning my phone off yeah um, i'd love to say it's like oh i just I, you know i get with my kids <laughs> but um i love my kids to death but like when i really want to escape and recharge i turn my phone off and i go to a cafe and i just read and you go to a book i love that yeah. I love yeah. that. And that takes me on to my next question. What what three books do you think every young reader should have on their bookshelves? What 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 oh, are your yeah. what are your go-to books when you go to your cafe? What are your go-to books? And then what do you think any recommendations for younger readers? Especially that that teen bracket which you were saying the kind of tween teen really hard yeah. um sometimes they're not always catered for. Yeah, oh my gosh. Like anything by Nnedi Okorafor like Akata Witch changed like my daughter still talks about it like yeah. the best book of all time Akata Witch is amazing um i love Akata Witch because it's also that thing of self acceptance and discovery so Akata Witch i think for any creative even a young creative big magic is a great book i mm-hmm. I wish I had found that book when I was younger because it really spoke to me as um a young I mean you know as a creative mm-hmm. so because I love fantasy so Akasha which big magic hmm, the third slot you said for a young reader gosh yeah what you're thinking you you well you're all mm-hmm. about presenting history in a fun way engaging and trying to impact the young readers so by your mm-hmm. own work i was just thinking anything else mm-hmm. that we can suggest anything else that may help mothers listening trying to get there trying to engage yeah. that like you said that kind of 11 upwards age into reading into chapter mm-hmm. books yeah um i have i hate to say this but there's also another book by nedi which is which is amazing which called ikenga and that's also a great book because it's also you know rich in african history that's plenty to go on i mean it it's those books like you said that have changed your life that have changed your yeah. daughter's life those ones that really really stay with you those are some of the author, authors that like you know made me want to stick with this with this genre that's brilliant that's brilliant it's just nice i think any recommendations are good for people who haven't heard of these authors it's always nice to um expand your bookshelf and diversify your bookshelf so that's really good to hear yeah so i've got a little quick fire round a, a mama quick fire round okay can you name your best mum life hack <laughs> <laughs> my best mum life hack like maybe your go-to quick meal your go-to i don't know engagement for the kids something that you're just like oh i could not live without this yeah. thing or this food or this meal or this book or this app mm i could not live without kenyan sausages are legendary <laughs> i could not live without the sheet pan meal of baked potatoes and sausages it's mm-hmm. like a crowd pleaser it's easy it's quick they clean their plates i mean it's the perfect sheet pan dinner so that that's it cuz sometimes it gets a bit like I'm not sure for you but i'm just like i can't think 
I can't <laughs> think of a meal. We've already done breakfast. We thought of lunch. Like I have got to think of dinner as well. I can't. I just can't. Yeah. Can't, can't think. <laughs> I can't do it. So yeah, sheet pan of um, sausages, Kenyan sausages, and potatoes. And probably like uh, yeah, a show on TV, and then I just sit in my corner and just woosa. So now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and you are a dope black mum of three. So could yeah. you sum up your motherhood journey in three words? Mm. Um, and a tricky, a tricky words. question for an author, as you have a plethora of words you probably could use. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm just thinking, man, man, the first one broke me down. So, <laughs> I mean, no, my firstborn, I feel like I, that was a, you know, that, <laughs> that broke me. But it, it also, I was reborn in, mm-hmm. in, in that experience. I, mm-hmm. I honestly think of my life pre-motherhood and post-motherhood. And so, like, my daughter is like a turning point. My firstborn is like a turning point in my life. Yeah. So, and from that ooh, broken I, open moment, what did you use mm-hmm. from that taking through to your continuous mother journey, your your other two children? Uh, stay true to mm. you. Mm. Remember who you are. Remember who you were before. Yes. So easy to get lost, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's so easy to get lost. And then even after you've gotten lost once, to do it again. So yeah. stay true to you. Keep reminding yourself who you are. Like, don't forget yourself. Do yeah. not forget yourself. And yeah. you keep evolving. So keep learning who you are. Mm. I suppose keep just up. staying staying open what I found interesting having two children and you may mm-hmm. resonate having three is how mm-hmm. how different each experience is and there's not mm-hmm. one rule that fits all you can't just be like I've got motherhood now I'm just gonna mm-hmm. do this for all children because they're all obviously very different and your relationship yeah. with each child is different and you're a different mother aren't you I exactly. there's only there's only two years difference between my children but doing the second time around was like oh I've like completely forgotten how to do these things I just forgot yeah. like what happens like, oh, oh what's this and um yeah it, it's amazing how it it does feel you know it's so different those experiences mm-hmm. and I feel like we need to keep honoring ourselves like mm. each pregnancy each you know newborn stage which is a trip like we just need to keep honoring who we are because I think we don't need to be reminded to love our kids. That comes naturally. Yeah. I think what we need to be reminded of as mothers is to keep loving and honoring who we are with each season. Yeah, that's really tricky. In that word, it's great, beautiful word, honor. But any advice for mothers listening right now who are really finding it tricky or in that low season and just maybe to honor yourself feels luxurious you know we're just like I don't have any space I'm Mm. tired I'm Mm -hmm. maybe I've got all these worries I can't even think about dinner where is there space to try and honor myself do you have any advice or anything that helped you just to any little anchors that you could hold on to in that space you know when it just feels overwhelming especially everything you're doing with three kids like any of those moments that you could just 
any anything that you can share about how we can honor ourselves as mothers? I think what helped me or what helps me when I'm really feeling like I'm on my last is, um, first of all, allowing myself to be like, yeah, it sucks. And it's okay to acknowledge that it sucks. Yes, motherhood is beautiful. Yes, there are people who don't get to us. We know this. We're not saying that we do not appreciate this, but it's okay to, to, to know that it sucks. But it'll pass. It always passes. It may not seem like it at the time, but it will get better. Like, I feel like my um, older sister would tell me that, like, it, it gets better. Imagine just hold on because it gets better. Mm. It may not seem like it right now, but it's okay to be miserable. Just mm -hmm. hang on to the fact that it gets better. It's it gets not better. Like this. It gets better. And I always think of it like one day, you just find yourself sitting on a bench in a park. <laughs> the clouds just part. The sun shines down and you're like, ah, oh, I made yeah. it through that season. You know, you're just like, ah, yeah. oh, it's not as hard as it used to be. I'm not, I'm not crying or I'm not, you know, just, just in it, in your head, in it. You're like, ah, oh, I've got yeah. a bit of space now. Exactly. Like, uh, like you know, I, I look back to like newborn stages, you know, your nipples are cracking. Your, <laughs> I mean, it just feels like I, I can't. I, mm -hmm. I, I literally I literally can't. can't. Yeah. Yeah. And just knowing that, imagine one day your children will be playing in the other room and you'll be watching TV and they'll be fine. And you'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll be past that stage. And it's that simple. You will be fine. You will get through this. You'll get through it. Thank you so much for those those gorgeous words. And what's Aww. next for you? What's coming up? What can we look forward to? Well, right now I am finishing the second book in the series. So Intercity Warrior series is going to be made up of four books um, based on each of the characters. So there are four characters. Um, the first book was Mikali and the Forbidden Mask. Book two is going to be based off of Odoar, another one of the Intercity Warriors. So that's what I'm working on right now, Odoar's book. Amazing, amazing. And can't wait to see it. I'm going to put all the links in the podcast notes so we can all Yay. follow your journey. Well, thank you Please. so much. Sending Aww, lots of love you. to Nairobi from yes. Hackney. <laughs> thank you. Dope Flat Moms. If you'd like to join the Dope Black Mums private Facebook group, please search Dope Black Mums on Facebook. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Please follow on all socials at Dope Black Mums. Thanks so much for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program 
for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.